What up, Fatherhoods Nation? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. They've got ill creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all that. You can make a little paper from your podcast too with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child. This is KGB. What up, it's DJ EFN. Yo, this is Manny Digital. All right, welcome to the Fatherhood <laughs> Podcast. What were you waiting for? I was waiting for the... <laughs> What's going on, fellas? How you doing? Ah, everything's good. How you guys yeah, feeling? It's a blessing, yo. It's a blessing. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head a little bit, though. Why? What's going on? Well, you're scratching your back right now, though. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> that'll come afterwards. <laughs> the um, So, my, my son has been doing... Um, He's been doing like a bunch of after school stuff, right? So I think I might have told you guys he does um like karate, he does basketball, and he does jujitsu. Right. And I'm just like I Manny, maybe this has happened with you and and your oldest, so I'm looking for your advice here. Um I can't seem to get him to consistently wanna go, and I'm not really sure like what <laughs> like what what angle to take it's like sometimes and he's good at it right he's getting good at it and it's like sometimes he'll go through a week or two and and he's really into it it's like yeah let's go let's go to competition class let's do you know x y and z um and he stays consistent with it and then all of a sudden we'll hit another week and he's all of a sudden just i don't want to go i need a break i don't want to go there anymore you know i don't like it anymore but then if we force him to go, then afterwards he's like, all right, yeah, I had a good time. I liked it. And I don't know this if it – huh? Is this, is this basketball, just no, basketball? No, this, this is jiu-jitsu. No, oh, solely jiu-jitsu oh now, right? God. Yeah. It's so funny you bring that up. Go ahead. Yeah, so he doesn't have um, – he, he like karate he's been fine with because we just go once a week on Saturday. Boom, good with that. Um, basketball, one day a week practice, um, and then Saturday's a game, and he – he likes that. Now, the jiu-jitsu we've been doing, it can vary from anywhere from two to three times a week. And then sometimes he'll want to go, you know, on this Saturday morning competition class where he can, you know, learn, basically use what he's learned throughout the week. And it's more real hands-on fighting, basically, essentially, with the other kids. Um, so I, I just, like, there's a part of me that doesn't want to push him too hard like if he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. But then on the flip side, like if you know my wife will get him to go, you know he'll be fighting it. And then afterwards, like I said, he he feels like oh yeah, I'm glad I did go. I just I'm just not sure. Maybe it's just the frequency of how of when he's going. Maybe it's just too much for him after like after school and then having to do that. Have you encountered this? My so I'm literally going through this right now. Uh, so my son does taekwondo. Okay. And the frequency is is an issue for us. But when he goes and, you know, when he comes back, everything seems to be, oh, yeah, I had a good time, whatever, whatever. But it's the getting there. There's a lot of bitching and complaining, right? Um, yesterday, it's so funny because yesterday uh, I was talking to, you know, for, my, for, my, for Dribble and Dimes, I had a guest. And, and he was talking about how his mother, he came up kind of like in a, I call it, yeah, single family household. And he excelled in basketball pretty, pretty handily here in New York. But he, his mom always set a foundation for him. And I, I want to say it was also based on like some type of martial arts was also w- one of the issues that he faced. And she was like, yo, if you start it, you're going to finish it. Like that was her whole mantra. And she stuck with that. And, and you know, for us, like with our little, you know, little kids, I find it challenging always to stick to that shit because when they come back and they're like, nah, 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 
you one, you don't want to keep hearing the shit, and two, you kind of sympathize with them. You're like, damn, all right, maybe it is a little bit much. You're kind of young. You're not used to having to be busy, so busy. Right. So perhaps maybe we are doing them. We should let them off the hook, right? Um, but with my son, my, my daughter, we never experienced that because we never put her in too many things. So my son now is doing a little bit of basketball. He's doing Taekwondo. He's got, um, uh, well, actually, those are the two main things. But Taekwondo is like three, four times a week. So it's very consistent. Right. So what we do really is just like, yo, we we ha- we set up a goal for him. We were like, look, <clears throat> we're going to go. We're going to commit. All of us are going to commit for you to go and do this until the year mark of of this class. And at that point, if you decide you don't want to do this anymore, then that's cool. Damn, we'll, we'll a cut. year for a kid is a, is a lifetime. <laughs> it's a long time. Jeez, yeah. man. They'd be like, God damn. But, you know, but, I like that I, but I, I like that idea. I mean, I mean, even if we said, all right, it's it's – Let's do three months consistently right. and see. The benchmark. Yeah. yeah. And and then from there, if you don't like it anymore, then – because I, I don't like the – you know, I, I don't want to do – have him do stuff that he really doesn't like. But then sometimes that is hard to figure out because like, one minute he likes it, one minute he doesn't like it. And, yeah, you and know. you don't want get, to get him used to quitting things right. too just exactly. because he doesn't like it a little bit or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but, but it's, it's tough because then you're like, oh, shit. Is he too young for me to really enforce this, or should I really go in on it? And I, I think it's all circumstantial, but I, I personally, I lean toward like that same kind of um, mindset, which is like if you started, you should you should finish it. Right. But it's in just this defining case, what finishing is. Exact, though. Exactly. Exactly. So the reason why we do in a year is because the the dojo that we signed him up at he paid for the whole you, year <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah for sure okay which and is smart old, and he's older right how old is he he's five. Oh no he's not old no he's not old <laughs> <laughs> I was, i'm thinking he's already like nine or ten but but actually it, it it's similar because my 12 year old uh i'd say when she was like nine roughly she kept being inconsistent about basketball. And I was like, like I, I force all my kids to play basketball early, like five, four or five years old. I want them to start like getting a feel for it to tell early on whether or not they care about it or not. And if they don't want to, then after that, it's all good. But someone's to trying start. to live vicariously through their kids. Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. I need a college scholarship, at least one out of these three <laughs> motherfuckers. But, um, so I, I, I tell her, when she was like nine, she was like, oh, oh, I don't want to do it. And every time like we go to practice and then she'd play and it was good. And then when we got home for the next practice, she'd have a fit. So I was, so I, I just told, yo, you, you know, you told me you wanted to be in the paper when you were in high school, right? You want to be in the local newspaper for you being great at basketball. I said to her, there's no fucking way you're going to get there. If you don't push yourself early. And I gave her a decision to make. I said, look, you decide if you want to play or not. But depending on how you decide, if you're going to quit, you got you to go talk to your coach and tell him you don't want to do this shit no more. I'm not, I'm not going to bat for you. So she said, all right, cool. I, I, don't, I want to take the summer off is what she said. So she went to her coach, scared of shit, and she told him, yo, I don't, I don't want to do this no more. And cool, whatever. But then... All of a sudden, she's she's here gets wind of like a girls team or whatever because she was doing like co-ed because there weren't too many females that wanted to play, and then she gets into the all girls. T- she tells me she wants to get into the girls team, and I yo I made her sign a contract. I told her write here are the things that you need to com- commit to. She wrote them shits down. <clears throat> she signed it and hung it up. And I was like, if you don't look at that shit every day and adhere to that. The next time, there's not gonna there's not gonna be no let's get back on this horse. Like we're done, and so far, knock on wood, we're on our way to a college scholarship. I mean, she's twelve, <laughs> but she's but she's still committed. <laughs> way to be positive, man. Yo, bro. Yeah, I think maybe the- I think maybe the way I'm gonna approach it is is maybe decrease the frequency maybe it's two days a week so he feels like he's got more control over his schedule a little bit and you know like he's got some free time to do whatever he wants to do after school sometimes and then 
And then I like that idea of, you know, three to six months. Let's just do it consistently. If you don't like it, then then we reevaluate. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, do like a do like a Monday and a Thursday because it spaces it out enough where right. he's got like, and then that that should be it. Monday and Thursday, yeah, that's good. But don't quit on the basketball, dog. Nah, he's don't do that. Shit, he had his um, he had uh, he had Sky. his be- he had his best game on um, on this past Saturday. Scored scored ten points. Wow, half that's, the yeah yeah that's big. Congrats. He did. He beat the they beat the team twenty two to four. I think it was, and he had almost half of the points on Shit. the game. Beast, oh, hype. Hell yeah! Every time he hit the, you know, it's like it's funny. Every time I see him, he he hits the shot, and then all of a sudden he realizes he hits the shot. You know, his mouth goes wide <laughs> open. He's like, "Oh shit!" You know, <laughs> <laughs> fucking cheesing and running down the. You know? yeah, but he gets right doesn't, back into it, which is good. Doesn't that feel good though? Oh, you yeah. as a parent watching yeah, him, yeah, definitely. That shit is oof. You and to be able to see the progression, shit. like to be able to see. Wasn't so great at the beginning, but definitely is getting a hell of a lot better and just improving. And more confident. Yeah. You know, just keeps improving. So that's, that's dope. That's what you got to I'm look exci- forward I'm ex- to, E. I'm excited for y'all, man. I'm, I'm going to be there for his college graduation when he goes that free ride. Yep. I'll be there at the end of it and be like, yeah, you did it, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> e, what's up, man? Sports in your daughter's future or? Fencing, <laughs> she's gonna be a ninja, man. Hey, time out. Real talk, fencing, the scholarship opportunity. Oh, no, nah. it's probably. I'm not gonna say it's easier, but I don't think there's as many people fencing like that. Like right. you take, you take. So think about it like this, right? You take the hood mentality as far as sports goes, right? You apply that shit to fencing. Psst. LeBron James of fencing, easy. One, two, three. So oh, okay, I, I didn't see that, but okay, <laughs> you don't get what I'm saying. You want me to no, say? I get it. I get it now. But I, at first, I was like, LeBron James is fencing. You know, just the best player. I'll just have her watch Game of Thrones and be like, you see? I was fencing. <laughs> yeah, I told you guys last week that she started walking, right? Nah. Nah? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah, we, we, we got to get the birthday, uh, one-year birthday recap, too. Oh, word. Yeah, she, um, she, I mean, she's been walking holding things for several weeks if not a month or two. Um, but she, two days after her official birthday, she hands-free walking. Wow. wow. Yeah, and now she's just, yeah, she's a mobile baby, which is pretty stressful, but uh, but it's cute as hell to see her, like, you know, run around and, you know, and it's scary because she falls, you know, still falls every so often and depending on what she's wearing or shoes or no shoes and then there's, you know, there's a concrete floor or the tile floor and you're just worried. And she's had a couple of hits and, you know, we're in that phase. We're like, oh, my God. Like, you know, like my, my mom was like, buy her a helmet. Oh, shit. <laughs> my That's mom different. and my aunt were like, buy her a helmet. No, they, apparently they think it's normal. They're like, yeah, buy her a helmet. Oh, did, you, just, did you huh? do the proofing on, like, the, the side edges of tables? And, like, did you put it I haven't in? really done. We're terrible parents, man. We haven't really <laughs> done that. What I, I mean, I don't let her loose. You know, without much supervision, I'm like literally walking behind her right now. No, but... she's gonna be, she's gonna take off any minute, and just you're gonna be yeah, chasing no. all over the place. Yeah, she took she she um she likes to stand up now on her uh, changing table, mm-hmm. and she she went she face planted on like the side uh, wooden rail on my girl's watch, and my girl started crying. Oh man! And then she had like a little like a little bruise mark. On her face, and we were, just, and I was like, "Oh my god," you know. But she's a tough little cookie. Like she, she rarely cries when she has a fall or hits herself. She never cries when she falls, but if she hits her like her head somehow, she thinks about it, and you know, she only <laughs> cries like like two out of five times, you know. <laughs> and then the cry doesn't even last. Like if you just you know if you go squirrel, you know she you know Mickey Mouse or whatever, <laughs> she stops crying. Right. I mean, it's adorable, we, man. I mean, we talked about it before. I, I we didn't go crazy with um retro or baby fitting the our crib. Um but right. there was a couple things just like some of the some of the tables that had the sharp edges. edges. We yeah, we definitely put a, a couple of corner things on there just so he didn't smack his head into them. I just I don't think we've I mean, I know my my girl was looking for something and and bought some things that just didn't fit the furniture. Yeah. 
So I guess we just got to find the right things. If not, I'm just gonna have to or just take like, rig it, you know? Yeah, just take some something soft and wrap it around and tape it, and just you know, it's temporary anyway. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, man, she's she's one year old. I got a I got a one year old now, that's, so that's a milestone. How's the how's the party or the birthday? Oh no, flow? we didn't. We, we ended, no, we ended up not doing a party. I didn't. We didn't talk about this, right? Right. Well, we, I know you were doing the pool scenario. We just yeah, it was yeah. no party. We yeah. just ended up having a pool scenario. She loves the pool. We rented a cabana locally at a, at a, at a nice hotel, and and basically just had another uh, friend of my my girls from the gym, a couple with their daughter. Uh huh. And it was just that. That's it. You know, because you can it can only be so many people in the cabana where they charge. Oh right, charge right. It. You can't really do parties there. So it was supposed to be my mom and her grandma, but it didn't work out and. My mom, she she recently took a fall, and she, I don't know if I told you guys this is not fatherhood related, but she fractured uh, two ribs. Mm. So right before that, and um, yeah, so she couldn't make it. She's you know recovering from that, and then her grandma just it did, didn't make sense for them to really go um, unless both of them were going to be there, uh, and it would have just been a lot to deal with. Like you know, my mom's hurting, her grandma, and then the baby. I just wanted to, oh yeah, it to be about my daughter's birthday and her to enjoy it and our attention to be about, you know, with her. And she had, a, she had fun, you know, she didn't know it was a birthday, but she had fun. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you took pictures. Out. You got yeah. pictures and all that, right? Yeah. We took pictures. Oh, uh, we woke up in the morning. We, you know, we had the house with balloons and, and presents that she could rip. And we gave my grand, my, my grandma, my girl gave her a, a, a vegan cupcake and, she took it straight to the dome, you know, <laughs> and she just like, you know, we let her like we never let her just, you know, go crazy beast mode out with food. But we it was her birthday. So we were like, here, just make a mess. And she made a hell of a mess. Right. And yeah, and she she enjoyed it for the most part. I think she enjoyed it. That's got the pictures to prove it. So, yeah. So now That's now it's, our birthdays are rolling up. We're all in May. My girl, my oh, your girl also. Yeah. Uh, my girl's the day before me. You. Yeah, you coming okay. up quick. Okay. Yeah, around the corner. Shit, old ass man, dog. Who's talking? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> hey, uh, Manny, your son know anything about Beyblades? Oh hey? God, bro! <laughs> what is that? What Yo. is that? <laughs> it's they're like it's these, basically like a, a like spinner, a top, like a, like a top, a top that has that you can launch. It has like a launcher and. They're, I think they're originally from Japan, so they're like almost they, they they can burst, and so they all you know you've they've got names and they've kind of shaped like uh, like the old school Shogun warriors, like the tops on, on them at least, mm-hmm. and they do and they battle with them and everything. They were they were out for a while apparently, and now there's like a resurgence. I didn't know if it was just like a a West Coast thing that that was happening no. or or if if you're getting that. Now we're getting that. Um, my neighbor's son has like this contraption. I guess it's like a, I, I don't know, some like, launch kit or yeah, something okay. that they have. <laughs> right. And he brought it over for like a play date the other day. And they, they actually, it was funny is they didn't even play with it <clears throat> until the very end when like his dad came to pick him up. He was like, oh, wait, we didn't do this yet. And then they raced to try to play with it. But my, my son's not like, geeking off it like he's not yeah super into it but when he's around people that are he all you hear is baby 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 so i'm gonna get him some for his his birthday's coming up at the end of the month so i'm gonna get him a little bit of that so he can rock with that yeah he's got a lot of the his little friends at school they're all into beyblades and apparently so they formed this babe apparently they formed this beybade Beyblade squad, right? Hey, Bay Bay. Hey, Bay Bay. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and one, I guess one of the kids was trying to be the leader. I mean, he's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. And, uh, and I don't know what transpired, but apparently my son got kicked out of the squad, according to this. But, you know, this kid tries to act kid. like he's the leader, and then right. the other kids, like, just don't say anything. So uh, yeah, my son came home. He wasn't. He was. He was pissed. You know, he was upset. Like his feelings were hurt. And he's like, "Why would they kick me out of the squad? You know, this so and so said I was cheating, and I wasn't. I was. You know, I I was winning, and you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, 
basically it's a bigger conversation of it's like <laughs> like you're gonna have these people that you think are friends or especially with these beginning formations of friends in school right. you know it's like one he, he couldn't understand it's like well wait a second you know one minute so-and-so is nice to me and he's inviting me to go do this and then you know go somewhere and play and then the next minute you know he's kicking me out of the squad and you know not being nice like i don't he couldn't understand so it's just that learning of you know, you got to pay attention to who your friends are going to be and who you want to hang out with. And right. and also, like, when you're dealing with a group like that, it's like, I'm like, yeah, look, the kid was being a jerk, but also pay attention to the kids who aren't saying anything because they're being followers and you don't right. want to be associated with them as well. And, you yeah. know, make your own squad. Don't, <laughs> you know, it's like you got to be able to do do your own thing and not let and not let people... Um, yeah. dictate, dictate your feelings, not let it phase you either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's beginnings of those those lessons. It, it's cool though that he comes back and like you guys ha- have a chance to like dialogue about it because it could easily just be some this pent up frustration and he don't really say shit. I, that's my fear with my or kids. feels that you wouldn't understand. Yeah, I mean, right. I think what happens sometimes he won't say it the day of something happens. Um. I, like this happened maybe a couple of days ago and then something set him off at school and he started breaking down crying. And then, you know, later on in the day, he, when he came home, he started explaining it, but you know, he had been holding it in for a couple of days trying to process it, but it was just the mm-hmm. overall, like, you know, I thought this person was my friend. Why they're being, why they acting like not a friend anymore. And there could be a sense of embarrassment to to say it out loud like maybe they don't want to relive it or yeah, yeah. you know or whatever it's like i don't want to you know put it out there that i got kicked out of the squad <laughs> right right exactly. <laughs> yeah you're right but it's dope i mean even even if he is actually analyzing it before he talks to you that's even better that's a big maturity step like being able to like figure out what what is bugging you before they talk to you and then like right. you know you guys have that discussion that's pretty dope he, he's not fucking with that. He's like, nah, that's just. No, no. I'm waiting for him to respond to you. What do you want? You're, you're talking to him. What you do you want me to si- say? You're doing the side eye. You're like, uh, I'm not there yet, man. I this got shit a might have just went over, This shit might have just went over your head. <laughs> you might have put too much emphasis into it or too much thought. You know, he's like, you know, he just Freudian, you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it did. It did take me back to like just. Going thinking back to elementary school times is just how quickly friends will flip, or you think you're you know, you've got these good friends one minute, and then all of a sudden something goes wrong, and you're mortal enemies after that. And just like how quickly that shit shifts because kids are all scared, they're all they're they don't want to be the one person left out, so they rather anticipate the move and like you no know, point out another kid, let him be the one out because they don't want to be the one out. So I just feel like that that's the constant movement in, in in school and in classes. Like these kids are just like everybody's just scared. All the kids are scared. Yeah. So they rather just, you know, you know, put the attention on somebody else so they just stay in the in the group safely and then they, you know, they're always playing that game. I mean, maybe for you, E, well, probably. Like for me, the the thread that was the most secure was always like the block the kids that you grew up with on your block. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, that one, you didn't feel that shit. But when you're in school, there is that whole Game of Thrones shit. Like, oh yeah. no, this fuck this. You know what I mean? So it's interesting, like that dynamic. Because it, it, I mean, in my case, I didn't go to school with the kids that I grew up with on my block. Right. Like, those relationships were separate. So I think that kind of spared me from that experience. But but it is an interesting dynamic. Like, and, and I don't. I'm waiting for it here. Like for when. Like my daughter, actually, it's interesting. She she notices when her friends are acting like unreasonable toward other people, and then she kind of moves away from them and kind of goes with another clique mm. when they're acting funny style. Don't be Not guilt, that she guilt, did, guilty by association type style, yeah. But but also like she she doesn't like it. Yeah. Per, not yeah. even because of what it looks like. Just right. she personally is like that's just whack. Like why are you doing that? Well, that's good. That's, she, she got she's got a sense of value there. Yeah, which yeah. is crazy because we, we're, we're scumbags, my wife and I. So I don't know where <laughs> she got that from. <laughs> but, like, 
if for her to be able to do that, especially with the with you know in middle school, like the the stress of being accepted and all that other shit that comes with school. I, we, every time she comes back and she has a story like that, we big her up. We're like, yo, that's really like mature of you. And she's like, yeah, I just don't like the way that shit feels. And I, I'm like, all right, well, keep going with your gut and not what, you know, what your friends say. Middle, and middle you know, school's got to be a trip, though. Oh, middle school is crazy. Yeah, yeah it's nuts. I was going to say, what you were saying before, though, it, there might be something there to think about when moving around i know you you guys just moved manny not long ago so it it, it might be something to think about when uprooting kids you know i can think about when i was young and how that affected me uh kay i'm sure you can as well oh yeah definitely and there's i'm sure there's a lot of um security and stability when a kid can grow up in neighborhoods with other kids that they kind of like go through the same things but they kind of like if they live close to each other, it's hard to really diss each other because it's like, yo, my man lives right there. Right. Like, I'm going to have to see him every day. So they kind of build this, like, almost family bond. And, you know, sometimes in, in, in other situations that can turn into, you know, the evolution of street gangs. But right. but in, you know, in most situations, you're just growing up with, you know, you know strong ties and roots to, to close friends. And that makes you a little bit more confident when you go into these, you know, larger school environments as you hop from elementary to middle to high school. But nowadays, you know, it feels like that's not happening in big cities anymore. And people are going to schools, not in their district or whatever. And people move around. So it doesn't seem like that's happening as how it used to happen. Like You mean like the connection of those bonds through all the grades? Right. 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 Because even if it was even if it was just one person that stuck with you. Right. That was like, and you know, you might have a fallout with that person. Like you watch like all the old movies, like, you know, it, you know, or the wonder years or something like that. There was just the one dude that was kind of like that anchor for you. Um, it seems like that does a lot of good for someone in terms of like stability and, and confidence. And it's kind of like having a sibling, you know, oh, yeah. you might not be close to your sibling, but that blood tie, you, you kind of feel like you're not alone in the world. And that might be the same when you have, you know, friends in the, in the neighborhood that you grew up with and yeah. I could imagine you know a kid moving around not having that <clears throat> yeah because you also have I mean I just even though from seeing I mean my my son's got a couple friends in our neighborhood um and surround you know surrounding areas that he doesn't go to school with but it's like there's that kind of safety net of uh even if the kids at school are acting like assholes then but I still have these I still have these other friends that you know I connect with and I don't necessarily have to you know, if you're not getting along with the kids at school, then you don't feel totally alone because you've got this other network. Right, right. right. And, and, you know, like, for example, like the reason part of the reasoning of me creating my crew Crazy Hood from in high school was because that was I had moved around when I was young a lot between L.A. and Miami and moved schools and had, you know, all this stuff going on. And then when I got into high school, and it was a little bit more stable time. And I created this, this, this you know, or I didn't create, but I. I ended up having this group of friends. I was like, man, I want to, you know, this is these are my brothers. I want to maintain this, you know, I want to, and I capsulize it. And that's where the whole idea of crazyhood came. And I've, you know, these guys are still with me today, you know, 25 yeah. years later. And so imagine if I felt like that in high school, imagine a, a real young kid, a little kid, you know, going through, through all those, you know, growing pains <laughs> of, of, you know, elementary school and middle school. Middle school is the craziest part. So that's probably when, right. you know, it, it's most needed. <clears throat> What about? (laughs) (laughs) It was too long of a pause. (laughs) What? What about? So, like, I'm finding this in middle school, and and I I mean, you guys don't have kids in middle school, but you can probably relate just from your own remembering. Um, like my daughter, a lot of her friends are experiencing parents divorcing, and you know, back back in our day. If you went to school or anywhere and you was like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill myself. Everybody knew that that wasn't serious for the most part. It was just like a figure of speech. Right. But these kids like in her classes and stuff, they'll say shit like that. And I'm like, I'm almost like, yo, you got to go tell somebody because in this age, I feel like anytime you hear that shit, you got you got to take that shit seriously. The way shit goes down. So the pressures of these divorcing parents, like, and it's like, 
it's uncanny to me how many at one clip. It's like she'll come home and she'll be like, so-and-so's parents are getting divorced, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Like, there'll be three at a time. And I'm like, fuck, man. I mean, how, you know, the poor kid. But then it's like, how do they cope with that shit through these years? Especially, like we said, middle school is like the craziest shit on its own. You don't need this additional shit on top of it. So, like, you know, it's just something to look out for because we're seeing it. And lucky for us, I mean, my daughter seems to be on the right track here. But it's, you know, there's a lot of different things hitting them at at the same time. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the middle school times. No, no. Yeah, I got a long way to go, so I'm not even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, enjoy, en- enjoy, <laughs> we'll have a, enjoy we'll your, have... enjoy your uh, infant time right now. And I'm well, starting to notice my daughter's personality, and she's pretty headstrong, defiant, and stubborn in certain ways, which is good for some things and terrible for other things. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a handbook ready for you by the time she goes <laughs> to middle school. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, so sh- so shall we? Yeah, let's get a let's get a guest going. Let's go. Did you know that the number of single father households rose 62% in 10 years according to the census? Pretty alarming, huh? What up? This is Manny Digital with a community announcement. Studies suggest that the type of man a woman ends up with is directly related to the type of relationship she had with her dad. The Power of a Father's Faith Conference will highlight how fathers help shape a female's self-esteem, self-image, confidence, and their general opinion of men. Throughout the conference, they will hone in on key discussions and topics to help improve a father's relationship with their daughters. If you're a dad in the New York metro area, come check out this free event going down June 15th at the Queens Youth Justice Center in Jamaica, Queens. Again, this is free. For more info, email turning obstacles into building blocks or tob at tobfuture at gmail.com. That's T O B B future at gmail.com. And be sure to follow them on IG and Twitter at tobfuture. Peace. All right. So, our next guest truly embodies what this podcast is about, which is family life and hip hop culture. He is a legendary MC who has rhymed with the best of them. The low life general himself, Thurston Howe III. Thurston, thank you for joining us. Brownsville! Thank you for having me. You already know it's always a pleasure, man. Anything I ever do with you, man. Love is love, baby. I appreciate you. And just so you know, on the line right now, I got my brother's KGB. He's in Cali. My boy Manny Digital, he's in New York. And we are the fatherhood. So, so again, man, thank you for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. KGB, that's an ill name. Remind me of, you know. The the Russian FBI. I, 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 Russia. I move stealthily, man. That's how I, that's how I move around. So, so, so Thurs, man, um, you're you're a grandfather as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a grandfather, man. And and how many wow. kids do you have? I got uh, six kids total, man. Living up to the Puerto Rican. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty pretty crazy, man. Crazy life, you know. <laughs> Uh, how old, how how old are they? Like, well, oldest and youngest. What's the age gap? Uh, from thirty-two to twelve. Wow. Damn. I, I know, know everybody be like, "Yo, you look like you're thirty-two. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's real. Wow. So, Thurs, what? This is what we try to do. We always try to get like the guests to tell us more or less how they grew up and how their parents influenced their parenting style. So can you give us just a little glimpse into you growing up? What was the you know, the dynamic in your house with your parents? Wow. I mean, we, we know some of it, but, you know, just for people who don't know, let, let people know, like, how it was for you growing up as a kid. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, man. Um, my father OD when I was three years old. Wow. So I never really got to know him. And, and my mother was a heroin addict, you know, all her life. So my household was a lot of times wherever house would take me in Mm. as far as family. My mother did a lot of prison time and things like that. So as a kid, I would be bounced around with whoever, you know, was willing to take me in and get that social security check that came with it, you Mm. know, but it's like I was raised a lot by my grandmother in New York, you know, my, my, my mother's mother. So I grew up with her a lot as a kid. So my grandmother had 10 kids. So 
Wow. You know, a lot of my uncles and aunts were like my brothers and sisters mm. growing up. So I hung with my uncles and things like that. And my entire family were gang members, like, you know, like the movie Warriors. Mm. So I was always surrounded by that kind of atmosphere. And, you know, it was always, you know, my grandparents came from Puerto Rico, barely spoke English and things like that. Mm. But, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't in an atmosphere where I was taught much as far as being productive or positivity. You know, we were taught a lot of the, the ghetto, ignorant, you know, like, and, and I, I actually grew up that way and, and, and repeating it for, for quite some time until I, I became that to an age where I had understanding for myself and I was able to turn a lot of things around just by, what I didn't get to see, you know? So I learned from not being parented properly. I learned the things to do. Not saying I was the perfect parent either right. growing up, but you know, I had situations in my life where, you know, I, I didn't know about being a good parent or understanding responsibility, all these things I didn't have a clue of. So even when I first became a parent, I didn't have a clue. I'm thinking it's, it's just, you know, I'm a young kid. I had my first kid at 14 mm. you know, yeah. because I was so unsupervised and, and you know, and I mean, cause of hip hop, I met my baby mama in a, in a club in New York called the fun house. And when I met at the club, I'm 13 years old and she's 18 years old, but I look old. You know, I looked older. When I was young, I looked older Back than Back then what you looked older, now you look younger. <laughs> yeah, and I was a, you know, I was an extreme break dancer, so I was able to catch the women early in life. Mm. So that that happened from meeting her. She came to visit me the next day. Uh, my mother never came home that day. I guess she caught a case and got arrested. You know, like I said, I lived in a defunct, dysfunctional household, so we didn't have a phone. We didn't have none of that. So when my mother didn't come home that next day, when that girl came to visit me, she never left. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it was crazy, man. Like, like life was crazy. I was one of them kids that really grew up early and did a lot of things at an early age, you know, because... I was supervising myself most of the time. You know, I was able to come in when I wanted to. I wasn't forced to go to school. Nobody told me the importance of education. You know, it, it was like, it was really a harsh life. But I can also say at the same time, some of these kids nowadays who grow up privileged need some of that because it right. will actually help you later on in life. Because you know, a lot of these kids today, when you, you know, some parents are just too good and make the children over dependent on them and to yeah. rely on them instead of teaching them how to be self-sufficient and, you know, to take care of yourself without a parent's guidance, man. So it, it kind of worked. I would I honestly say it worked more in my favor than it did against it. Mm. You know, it was but, just, but, you know, how I seen it later on in life. But but Thurston, you you also mentioned you had your grandmother in the mix as well, right? So like while I guess the majority of the time you were doing you know living the life that you just described, if you got too far off the rails, I'd imagine your grandmother stepped in and was like, whoa whoa whoa, kind of course correct a little bit. You you you. Uh, uh, not so much because oh, okay. my grandmother was straight from Puerto Rico, dropped out of school in the second grade. She didn't have much education either, and her and my grandfather were from what you would call the Campos. Right. So they were they were like a little savage, you know what I mean? So when they came to America to the projects, it was actually a luxury to them from what they came from. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I mean my grandmother would do like, you know, unconditional love and things like that, but as far as you know, she wasn't teaching me anything that I needed for the future except how to cook, take care of family and love and things like that, you know? So at, at 14 and you've got, uh, and you've got a newborn, how do you, what's your mind state? Like, how do you wrap your head around? Are you thinking, Oh, I got a son or is it just kind of like, and you know, this is just an it extension. Was kind of ignorant. Oh, I got a notch in my belt more than I had responsibility. You know, uh -huh. it's like bragging about on some ignorant level, 
you know, what I didn't understand I got myself into or what I was supposed to do. I'm still a kid myself at right. this time. You right. know what I mean? Okay. So yeah. there was no real understanding, you know? Hmm. And did you did you visit with your son? I mean, is it a son or daughter, your, your, your firstborn? Oh, let me tell you, man. The, the story is... <laughs> Like I don't want to get too personal and all right. that, but no, whatever you want. The girl, the girl, I was with the girl the entire time she was pregnant. When she went to have the baby, she never came back. Wait, wait, she wait I, with exactly the baby or what I she, said? I'm conf- she never came back when she had the baby. I never even got to see the baby. Oh, but to it's this a day? child that I always to this day, and he wow. he should be my oldest child that's in his thirties, you know, and I, I always count him when I count my children because right. I was with this woman, you know, the entire pregnancy. She lived in my house and things like that. And then one day just disappeared. I, I you know, it could have been many scenarios. It probably wasn't mine or, you know, she was an older girl. You know, I was just a kid or maybe she felt that, you know, that I was too immature or wasn't ready for this. So she mm. broke out. Wow. Damn, son. That's crazy. Mm. Man, it's, it's crazier than you would even imagine. I mean, there's so much, you know, I experienced as a man reproducing that I wouldn't, I don't even want to share, man. <laughs> That's crazy. It's so like, so at, at, at what point in your life, I guess, in terms of um, your children, did you start to have a shift in your mindset of like, okay, now I have a better understanding of what, you know, being a, a, a better parent is and, and how did, like, how did you come to that realization? I mean, you know, I had my first son in 84 and then by 87, I, I had another daughter, you know, by this age, I'm 17 years old. I, you know, I already been convicted and, you know, in jail and things like that. So while I was in jail, you know, the woman I was having the baby by let me know she was having my baby. and things. So it was actually something to look forward to when I was going home, you right. know, like I, I, as a young teenager, I'm like, wow, I'm having a baby. I'm going home, you know, thinking about all the right things I could do, you know, for, for my kid and things like that, you know, because like I said, my parents, it wasn't much that was done for me. You know, my mother was in and out of jail the whole time and she was on drugs almost all the time, you know? So I looked at it like as far as the love in my heart and what I was willing to do was on full blast. But then as far as the ignorance of my environment and the lifestyle I was living, even at this early age, I was borderline, you know? I wasn't the greatest thing, but I also wasn't a heartless, neglecting parent you know and would you say i know you said that you didn't have the the parental guidance and this you know this might sound corny but do you feel that hip-hop raised you and if it did what parts of it were positive for you because i heard before we got on you said you were listening to x clan like that whole era of hip-hop you know was positivity in a sense or trying to teach us something I mean, a lot of my education came from hip-hop also because I didn't go to school. I dropped out of school in junior high school. Mm. I didn't have nobody force me to go to school. So when it was time to go to school, I'm going outside with my boombox to practice breakdancing with the rest of the project coming to hang out in front of my building. You know, so hip-hop, I could say, definitely directed almost my entire life and dictated the path that I wanted to follow. You know, just even as a fan before I became a real participant in it you know so hip-hop had a lot to do with even the vocabulary i gained later and even when i did my prison terms and things like that hip-hop was the thing that i studied not as a fan but as a fiend Mm. so i was constantly educated by all this music and stuff that i had on repeat 24 7 you know because if you came to my house i go to bed with a double cassette player that flips the tape back and forth all night. So this was something even subconsciously I was absorbing. So I was following the culture because I'm seeing it everywhere. Living in New York, I'm seeing the culture everywhere. You could smell it. You could breathe it. You know? So it was like it was like an addiction. How how did you... So when you did become a participant, not just as an MC, but then also in, in the street life... How did you balance that with trying to, you know, be a parent? 
I could honestly say I wasn't trying to balance it. I was more on the ignorant level of not understanding my responsibilities or, or what I was really supposed to do, you know? There was a lot of times where, you know, I'm just out there slinging, man, not thinking, not thinking about what I'm doing. You know, it really took me some time to actually mature and, and, and accept those responsibilities and really take them in. And then, you know, even pursuing a, a, a career in hip hop became a challenge as a father because everybody wants you to be a certain way. But, right. you know, I was obsessed with what I wanted to do and with the places I wanted to go. And I wasn't even one who would take a relationship serious. I wasn't a serious relationship person. You know, I'm a Puerto Rican dude living in a black neighborhood and getting any girl I want at the time. You know, <laughs> so I never really took relationships serious either. Right. So mo most of life, most of my life was pretty much jokes, man. When did that change? Because like, it sounds like, I mean, you acknowledge the fact that that wasn't this period when you were taking it seriously, but it sounds like you've turned the corner at some point. When When would you I mean, say that was? A lot of it changed due to all the consequences I faced, you know, and 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 doing time in prison. It's when you really got a chance to absorb it and understand what you was doing and stop to think, you know, when I'm getting those those letters from my children and getting those pictures and telling myself I gotta do better. I gotta go out here and do this. You know, I gotta take care of that, you know? Mm -hmm. So that really helped I mean, just even change my whole mind state all over the board because I also met, you know, a lot of intelligent brothers in prison that would actually tr help to guide you on the right path. Cause you know, I started going to jail very young and repeatedly, you know, I kept being convicted, convicted, convicted like several times back and forth until I actually woke up, you know, and a lot of the brothers in prison had a lot to do with that. The older mature brothers who would try to instill knowledge in you, you know, everything to me was about being a gangster, being a tough guy, even in there. So, you know, the older brothers would challenge me with a book and be like, yo, tough guy, here, let me see if you can read this book. Mm -hmm. I don't even think you know how to read, you know? That's so right. just throwing that kind of peer pressure pushed me to start opening those books. And then when the books started capturing me, it was a whole nother story. You know, it began to really open up my mind and things like that and just... The conversations with other dudes who, you know, lost their families and, uh, and the thousand stories you would hear from crackheads and dope fiends and everybody who's there, you know, under the same circumstances you under and just, you know, telling you their side of the story and what they wish they could change. How have you been able to take the lessons and the upbringing that you had kind of going back to what you were saying about kids nowadays and like obviously you want to provide you know a, a better life for your kids but still give them some street elements some street smarts how have you been able to kind of instill both of those worlds and with your kids uh, I, I even you know I, I try to instill no struggle no strength if you never had a struggle, you're not going to understand what strength is. It's just like if you're working out again. You're not, you're not pull, pulling some weight and you're not going to get a muscle. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, you know, I explained to, to my wife and all that at the same time, you know, you can't do this for them. You can't do his everything. There was a time where one of my sons, when my son, Leaky Lee, right, he's 25 now. I remember at one point, um, he was like 11 years old. And I was like, yo, you hungry? He was like, yeah. I was like, you want a sandwich? And I was like, he was like, yeah, I want a sandwich. I was like, you know what? Make yourself a sandwich and make me one too. <laughs> the boy looked at me and said, I don't know how to make a sandwich. I was, Yo, I flipped out. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? This boy don't know how to make a sandwich? That's because he was being weight, weighted on hand and foot every little thing, you know? And I'm like, yo, that shit got to stop. You got to let these kids do for themselves. You can't iron their clothes, fix their bed, make their breakfast. Then you know what? They're going to totally be dependent on you. You know, especially mommy. Like, I've seen so many mothers out there that, you know, they be in relationships where it don't work out with a man. And next thing you know, their son becomes their man. They do everything for him. They they buy his clothes. They dress him. They do, And then the kid never winds up leaving. This happened in so many cases out there where that's how the mama's boys be born most of the time. 
from the mother's catering to the extent where the kid stays dependent for the rest of his life. Yo, that's that's actually I, I think that's a humongous point you just you just raised because in my household, I'm I'm always looking at it that way because of the street element. I'm, I'm from the Bronx originally, so I I credit a lot of you know the the things I'm able to do to the fact that I was brought up in that environment because it teaches you you almost you got like a sixth sense when you are raising these elements and these kids barely got four senses these days you know what i'm saying so it's like yeah being able to first of all acknowledge that a parent is doing that right because a lot of times parents fall into this routine where they just you know they still think that the kid is an infant that can't walk and the kid is 12 years old you know what i'm saying yeah so like you got to bring that point up and be like yo chill let 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 him make a sandwich let's see Oh, you don't know how? Let me let me break it down for you one time, but pay attention because you're gonna do this shit the rest, you know, the rest of the week or whatever the case. Yeah, is. I, from that day on, I taught that boy how to cook breakfast, lunch, anything here. You want to bake some cookies? I'm all of that. You know, I'm well rounded in that. I had to feed myself like crazy. Right. And like I said, living with my grandmother, she always cooked, and I always helped her in the kitchen as a kid. So I learned. I was making rice and beans by ten years old. So by the time, you know, like at, at this day, they got taught women how to make rice and beans and stuff like that. Right. Thirst, uh, from the, the kids that you had when you were younger, was there any resentment from those kids as they were older? When you finally turned the corner and, and you were changing your own life, did they, did they like resent you from how you were before that? No, because like I said, I was always overwhelmingly loving. Okay. You know, it's not like I'm just a piece of shit. It's like I'm probably lost in my own world, but, hey, I, I snap out all the time. I'm not going to turn my back. And right, it wasn't without love. Acknowledge right. you. Yeah, like my love was always there and unconditional, and I let it be known, you know? So I, I, got, a, I got a question a little bit off, off, off topic here. How does it feel to be the guy that made Ralph Lauren relevant again with, with the low-life movement? Um, <laughs> uh, not that happy I about mean, it. <laughs> nah, I mean, uh, it's a beautiful thing, but you know, there's there's so much to me more than that. That's not nah for sure. For, for sure, you know what I mean. So it's like I don't absorb it to that degree because it got its pros and cons. So right. rather Did- than voice them, I embrace everything that's happened because I never would have. Imagine this in a million years to even be at this point and have my the status I have in hip hop. You know, hip hop mm. I love more than anything in this world. So, you know, it feels good just to be a part of the culture, knowing I came in with my own thing. You know, have have any of your kids followed in your hip hop footsteps? Like, have any of them pursued anything or or just just a lover of hip hop, just like you are? Uh, you know, it's a new generation, so I don't call that shit hip hop. <laughs> but they be into their, they be into their own things, which I respect. At the same time, my kids educate me on everything that I'm not willing to look at, right. that I have no, you know, desire to see. But you know, my my sons are naturals. Like like my son Jesus, my youngest son, he don't want to do none of this, but he's a natural. He can do it at he any point. Right. Play with it, yeah. Like, but also, I, if if you look at all my films and stuff. That's all my children in there. I put all my kids in everything. The act, singing, you know, rapping, everything. I include my children in everything I'm doing, man. They're part of everything. And this is the way I feel I'm passing it down to them just by teaching them or, or having them participate with me. And, you know, little are they going to know later that they're going to have the knowledge to do it all themselves when, when they choose to. Because I, I don't enforce nothing either. But, you know, like I said, I'm a fiend. I'm obsessed. And, the only one who ever became obsessed like that was my nephew. He's he's an obsessed hip hopper and producer and all that, you know. Now, do you police the the songs and the content and the lyrics for any of your kids, or you let them have free reign? No, I let them have free reign because I tell them the difference. I don't want them to be blind to anything, because if they get a taste of it on their own out there, then it can go any kind of way. I want them to see it, and it's my job to let them know what it is. And what, like, like right now, you know, me and my son been having these conversations, and he's mesmerized a lot by what these youth 
with the you know the younger generation of hip hoppers that do they go in and buy twenty thousand dollars worth of sneakers in one shot and they don't, and I'm letting my son know don't never do no ignorant shit like that you know don't never waste your money on this kind of stuff and you know I'm trying to tell him the proper way like if you got money to spend like that this is what you're supposed to go do with it make sure it brings you back more money you know don't just waste yourself or or be so influenced by these brands and these things that, you know, are mesmerizing the people and keeping them broke at the same time. Facts. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's, it's penetrating, though? Like, is that knowledge that you're imparting on them, like, making sense? Oh, definitely. Because I, I lead by example. I don't just run my mouth about it. Like, I might be this big polo guy, but I play the game. I'm part right. of the game. I play the game. It's not like... You, you're going to see me every day. Uh, actually, I'm, I work hard every day. So I'm building, painting, reconstruct. I'm always doing something where when you see me, I'm always in work clothes, unless you see me at an event or something where I got to perform, you know. Other than that, I'm in work gear. You know, that's my style. That's what I'm comfortable with. So, and my children see that. So regardless of how people see me or perceive, perceive me with the polo, my children know the true me. And what I'm really into and what I'm about, you know, even though I do the low to degrees that nobody has ever done, you know what I mean? Still, but I definitely lead by example on what's to be prioritized other than that, you know, all the materialism. And I feel you're you're leaving a a huge legacy that is teaching children because your movement, you you have a huge movement and, 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 Hey, there's parents and there's grandparents and they're raising kids and so you got to be proud of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 proud that we we have an influence and, and regardless of the negative background, we're able to shed positive light on it and at least right. we explain to people why we did the things we did. You know, it just wasn't for no reason or we just chose to be that way. I mean, you know, the circumstances that were involved, we, it was almost like we had no choice and there was nobody showing us better. Right, you're not, and you're no. not pretending you didn't do this shit. You're, you're owning it, no. which is a big difference. Yeah. Some people just pretend like they didn't do shit and act like they brand new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but, you know, I'll be honest about it. And it's not like I'm just a cold-hearted person. Listen, man, I'm, I, I survive, I'm a survivor. I know how to step in any environment and survive and make the best out of whatever I have or whatever's in my way, I'm going to utilize it. Wow. Well, Thurs, thank you for coming on. Is there anything that, that, that you want to promote to, to our listeners that you got coming up or anything new? I mean, you know, I know, like, like you said, this is the fatherhood podcast and, you know, nobody's perfect, man. The children need to understand that too about their parents. And when, when you have parents that, you know, wholeheartedly, look out for your best interests and show you that and, you know, you know, understand that. And the same for the mothers. You know, a lot of mothers, you know, a lot of reasons these dudes leave is because the stuff they got to deal with with the mothers, man. And, you know, everybody needs to work together if you're really focusing on the kid and things like that. You know, like I said, it took me a minute to fully understand and comprehend and, and apply myself the proper way. But at least I reached that point. And I made sure, you know, I'm I'm probably excessive with it now to where I'm I'm trying to instill everything. You gotta study this, uh, study that. And, you know, I'm pushing them to the limits of understanding how they're supposed to be morally and things like that. You know, and productive, man. My kids are really productive. I got all college graduates and things like that. So wow. I'm proud to at least say that. You know, I broke the chain, man. And and a lot of people in my family you know, from our generation, we're able to break that chain because, you know, like I said, we come from a long list of drug addicts and, and gangs and, and yo, know, we, we changed that, man. And I'm proud to say that much. Well, you know, I appreciate you, man. And, and I have a lot of respect for you and, you know, I'm always here to promote or, or help whatever you're doing, you know, you're your family to me. So thank you very much for Likewise. doing the show, brother. And you know I'm always doing a thousand things. You you gotta give me a whole nother show just to hear what's coming next. I'm I know, I know. I'm, I'm 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 about to flood it as usual, man. Just staying staying consistent and productive, man. I'm like I said, I'm happy for the spot I have in, in hip hop. You know, I've reached the level I wanna reach as far as being acknowledged as an icon and 
somebody who's here and, and has a, you know, a Puerto Rican to help lay it down and mm-hmm. spit in the different tongues and all that. So I'm just part, I'm just happy that I could help it and, and keep his growth going on and keep it alive, man. Even in, in Miami, man, you know, E, I see like, you know, I always say you and your crew were, were some of the ones that actually helped it stay alive in Miami as well as myself, when I moved to town, you know, we all embraced each other. Everybody in hip-hop in Miami embraced each other, and we really kept a lot of things alive that was almost totally gone. Yeah, would have died completely, yep. Yeah, but I salute you on that too, man, because you're a big reason for that. Thank you, Thurs. And and you know what? You got to do your own podcast if you haven't already started, so I might have to produce that. Nah, nah, I'm not with it, man. They always (laughs) ask me. I'm, I'm not somebody who likes to get in people's business. I don't like no, like no, you talk. It's just you. Just you. Yeah, I don't even like to be telling my business. Ah. Quite, you know what I mean? I, I be trying to keep shit on the low, and then I shock the shit out of you when it happens, you know? All right, my brother. Well, thank you very much, dog. Appreciate it, Thirst. Yo, right, peace, yo thirst. E, I'm waiting for you to come back and do another mixtape for me. I leave for Thirst and Howell mixtape, man. I got you. That would I be a you. blessing. All, All right? Brother, thank you, man. All right. Peace, love is love, man. One. Peace.